Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinnie Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you've never opened a Bible or have read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today, our topic is going to be a convenient season. Let's begin in Acts chapter 24. In Acts chapter 24, Beginning in the 18th verse, it says, Whereupon certain Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple, neither with multitude nor with tumult, who ought to have been here before thee, and object if they had ought against me. Or else let these same here say, if they have found any evil doing in me, while I stood before the council, except it be for this one voice, that I cried standing among them, Touching the resurrection of the dead, I am called in question by you this day. And when Felix heard these things, having more perfect knowledge of that way, he deferred them and said, When Lysias the chief captain shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matter. And he commanded a centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty, that he should forbid none of his acquaintance to minister or come unto him. And after certain days... When Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him. Wherefore he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. But after two years, Portius Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. In this chapter, we find that Paul was speaking before Felix, explaining to him why the Jews had accused him and how he ended up there. He had two encounters with Felix here. During the second encounter, we find something very interesting. The last phrase of verse 25 says, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. He was waiting for a convenient time. He was waiting for the right moment. He was looking for the perfect conditions to arise. This isn't the first time that he did something like this either. It was now a pattern. In the second half of verse 22, it says, He deferred them and said, When Elysius the chief captain shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matter. He did the same thing here. He deferred. He was waiting for the right conditions. This reveals a lot to us about Felix. More than anything else, it shows that he was indecisive. He thought that since making some decisions were hard, he could push it off, procrastinate, and then deal with it at another time. But procrastination never works as intended. Instead of making a problem disappear by pushing it into the peripheral, it only hides it as it grows worse and worse. Then when the time arises, where it can no longer be avoided and must be dealt with, 
it returns, only far greater and far more complicated than it was before, making it that much more difficult to solve. Felix made the same mistake twice. He wasn't prudent. He didn't think about the future or the long term. He was only looking and caring about now, the present moment, the short term. This was the mindset that he adhered to when faced with things that he didn't want to deal with. In order to better understand why Felix fought this way, we need to take a closer look at his life. In McLaren's Bible exposition, it says, Felix and his brother had been favorite slaves of the emperor, and so had won great power at court. At the date of this incident, he had been for five or six years the procurator of the Roman province of Judea, and how he used his power the historian Tacitus tells us in one of his bitter sentences in which he says he wielded his kingly authority with the spirit of a slave and all cruelty and lust. This shows that his character was bad. God had freed him from being a slave. He had favor with men, especially the emperor. He got into a position of power and now he let the power go to his head, which ruined his character. We also know this from verse 26 which tells us he hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him. Wherefore, he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. Felix wasn't sending for Paul because he wanted to hear more about the God that Paul had been telling him about. He was just hoping Paul would try to pay him off. But over the course of two years, when this didn't happen, he left office, leaving Paul bound in prison. When he left office, he was not only leaving behind his position, he was leaving behind his chance to start a relationship with God. Paul tried to tell him about the Lord, but he remained indecisive. Each time he deferred, refusing to decide whether to come to God or not. The first half of verse 22 says, And when Felix heard these things, having more perfect knowledge of that way, even when he had heard the gospel and understood it, he refused to decide. Instead, he put it off waiting for a convenient season. In the natural, it may not seem like such a bad idea to wait for a convenient season. It may feel like it's not the right time to make a decision, but this is a dangerous ideology. We can't allow ourselves to succumb to it. Felix made this mistake multiple times, and his failure to make a decision cost him an eternity. For two years, he met with Paul, but nothing changed. The convenient season he was waiting for never arrived. If he had stayed in office and met with Paul for another hundred years, the time still would have never come, because convenient times don't exist. In a fallen world, there is no such thing as perfect conditions. If we wait for them, we'll never find them. We all know people who think and act in this way. There are people who will openly acknowledge their need to give their lives to Christ, but will then defer by saying that they're not ready or that they want to get their life together first or anything else along those lines. But when people say this and defer, they're missing the point of what God's trying to tell them. And in place of a decision, they're making an excuse. They attempt to justify not coming to Christ by taking the focus off of Him and putting it on themselves. No one ever says that God isn't ready for them to come to Him. They always say that they're not ready to come to God, which shows that their focus is wrong and their priorities are skewed. We're called to help these people and show them their need to let God take full control so that they can rightly keep their focus on Him. We won't be able to reach everyone, 
but many we will, and in either case, we're called to try. In order to help them properly, we need to understand how they think. Felix made three great mistakes. Verse 22 said, And when Felix heard these things, having more perfect knowledge of that way, he deferred them and said, When Elysius, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matter. In this verse, we find that he gained knowledge that would be necessary for him to make a good informed decision. Once we have knowledge, we become responsible for it. This is true in both the natural and the spiritual realms. He was responsible for acting on that knowledge that Paul had given him, but he didn't. He did what many do today and tried to have someone else make his decisions for him. Felix was waiting for Lysias to do what he was supposed to do himself. This may work occasionally in the natural, but it never works with spiritual matters. Salvation is not hereditary. It can't be passed down, and it's not something that could be done by proxy. Every individual must make their own personal decision to have their own personal relationship with the Lord. It's always personal. It's never communal. This can never be done vicariously through another person. It doesn't work that way. People are responsible for what they decide to do when the gospel is preached to them and when they understand it. The second mistake he made was what we looked at earlier. He was looking for a convenient time. But there's more to it than just this. He wasn't asking if the time was right for God. He only cared about what worked and what was convenient for him. We see this fervor in the last phrase of verse 25, when Felix said to Paul, I will call thee. This shows that he didn't recognize or understand what was happening at all. At that exact moment, when he was speaking with Paul, God was calling him. But he missed that calling because he was too worried about himself and when he was going to call. Many people who have yet to come to Christ do the same thing. They want to be in charge and have control over the situation. But this only inverts the order as God has ordained it. When a person gets saved, it's not their choice to decide when it's going to happen. It's God's choice. He chose us before we were born. And when we're born again, it's part of the manifestation and the unfolding of his plan and purpose for our life. The key is that it's God's plan, not ours. And since this is the case, it's his decision when it happens. When we try to make our encounter with God the way that we want it and when we want it, we're putting our will above God's and we're attempting to make our wants and our desires more important than his. This is an attempt to switch roles with God but this never works. This was the pattern of his life. When he was freed from slavery, he was ungrateful. And now when God was offering him salvation, he was again ungrateful. He only wanted salvation to occur on his own terms. The third mistake that he made, we find in verse 26. It says, He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might lose him. Wherefore he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. Even after some time had gone by, there was no real change in his life. He only further hardened his heart to the gospel. He called on Paul, but not to hear about God. He was only hoping that Paul would try to bribe him so that he could make more money for himself. He made the age-old mistake of choosing money over God, making an idol out of money. He called on Paul, feigning an interest in the things of God, when really all he cared about were his own interests and making money. He had impure motives and intentions, which are indicative of a corrupt character. 
we see the perfect example of his corruption two years later in verse 27, which says, And Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. He left Paul imprisoned, even though he knew that he had done nothing wrong and that he was supposed to be free because he wasn't a fair judge. He was openly willing to betray the office of trust that he held, and he, through ignoring God, allowed his character to be corrupted. Instead of coming to the God who was calling him, he only reinforced his persecution of God's servant, which clearly demonstrates his cruelty and his lust for power. Each of these mistakes led to the next one, and together they give us a complete picture of his rejection of God. It can't even be said that Felix didn't feel anything. He did. He had an experience to go with the knowledge that he gained. Verse 25 said, Felix trembled. The NSAB version translates this phrase as Felix became frightened. The word for trembled in the Greek means terrible, terrified, full of fear. It's used of godly fear. His trembling was indicative of fear, which is indicative of conviction. The Holy Spirit was trying to warn him about his need to change his ways and come to Christ, but he didn't heed the warning. He didn't let the feeling that he experienced drive him to action. We know that the Holy Spirit convicted him, but we next need to look at what exactly the Spirit used to do the convicting. What was it that made him tremble? Verse 25 gives us some insight into this. It tells us, And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled. There are three important elements here, and there's a reason why Paul chose to reason with these three things, as opposed to any other part of the faith. These were each things that were uniquely afflicting Felix, which is why they produced the reaction in him that they did. The first element is righteousness. We see through his encounters with Paul, and afterwards, that he was constantly focused on himself, which means that he was trying to find his righteousness in himself. He was looking to his own works to try to justify his morality or lack thereof. When he heard of his need to look outside of himself to Christ as the source of his righteousness, that he wasn't able to be righteous on his own apart from God, he would see this as antithetical to his mindset and be convicted by it. The second element is temperance. Temperance doesn't have to do with not drinking. It has to do with self-control. Felix lacks self-control. We see that he was easily carried away into excess in many areas. He was cruel, he lusted for power, and he was idolatrous of money, all of which are excesses. Since Felix lacked self-control, and he knew it, Paul's admonition to temperance convicted him. The third element is judgment. This was important because he was a judge. But as we saw before, he allowed his judgment to become corrupt. Knowing how he is, seeing his unjust treatment of Paul, when he heard of the perfect and righteous judgment of God, it convicted him. Plus, when he thought of how God is coming back to judge the living and the dead, and looked back on all the wrong and all the evil that he had done, it convicted him. But he chose to harden his heart in the face of conviction. Instead of letting it change him for the better, he missed his chance with God. Let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, beginning in the first verse, it says, To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born, and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, 
a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. God has appointed a specific time and season for everything in our lives, especially our salvation. There's an appointed time for God's will to manifest in our lives. Verse 1 said, To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. In this verse, the word for purpose in Hebrew means delight, pleasure, acceptable. This is how God looks at the times that he has chosen in our lives for the unfolding of his plan. God delights in the time for salvation. He finds it acceptable. He takes pleasure in our day of salvation. God looks forward to us coming to him and appoints a special time set apart just for it. We also find more insight into this in Acts. In Acts 24 and 25, the word season means time, opportunity, or occasion. The concordance goes on further to say it means time is opportunity, opportune time. It refers to things coming to a head to take full advantage of. It is a suitable time, the right moment, a favorable moment. It also says that it is a time when things are brought to a crisis, the decisive epic waited for. When Felix was talking to Paul, God was giving him an opportunity to be saved. It was a suitable time. It was a favorable moment. It was the right moment. He was at a crisis in his life. He felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He was at that decisive moment in his life. But he was an indecisive person. And he did what he always did. He deferred. He let that moment pass by. And he let that opportunity slip past him. He didn't let the crisis in his life lead him to anything better. He let it destroy him. He let it steal his joy, his hope, and his eternity. President John F. Kennedy once said, The Chinese use two brushstrokes to write the word crisis. One brushstroke stands for danger, the other for opportunity. In a crisis, be aware of the danger, but recognize the opportunity. Felix went down a dangerous road, a road that ends in eternal death. He failed to recognize and seize his opportunity. The last thing that we need to look at is how this played into the story of his life. Felix was born into slavery, but he was freed and became a judge and a leader in Rome. In the spiritual realm, he had similar circumstances. He was born into spiritual slavery to the devil and to sin, just like all of us were before we met Christ. But given the chance to be saved and be set free, he chose to stay in bondage and was ungrateful for the chance, just like he was ungrateful for his freedom in the natural. Many today have the same spiritual story as Felix. When given the opportunity to be freed from their spiritual slavery, they either completely disregard it or try to put it off to some other time, and thus they miss their opportunity. Today, we haven't missed that opportunity. We seized it at the right moment, at the moment that God looks upon favorably, at that special time that God delights in and takes pleasure in. That's why we're listening to this program today. 2 Corinthians 6 and 2 says, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, 
and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Our prayer for those around us who have yet to come to Christ should be that when they reach that point of crisis, that decisive moment, that they won't be like Felix, waiting for someone else to decide for them or waiting for some convenient time that will never come, but that they'll recognize and seize the opportunity and that they'll see the moment for what it is as the right moment, the moment that God chose for them to come to him and that they'll answer that calling. And let's make the choice today to continue to live in the right moment because with God, it's always the right moment. The right moment is eternity. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you that this moment right now that we're living in is the right moment, a time that is acceptable to you, a time that you delight in and take pleasure in. And Lord, for all those around us, we rebuke that mindset that Felix held on to so tightly. And Lord, we ask that you open up the hearts and open up the eyes of all those who have yet to come to you so that when they hear the gospel preached, when they hear of the love that you have for them, that they won't make that same mistake that Felix made that they won't wait for some convenient time that'll never come, that they'll be able to look past themselves and see that this is the time that you have set apart for them. Lord, help them to know that you have chosen them before the foundations of the world, and that it's your plan that they come to you and that they live their life in a relationship with you. Lord, we want to see people freed. We want to see deliverance and healing. And most importantly of all, we want to see salvation. We want to see eternities that are spent with you. And Lord, we thank you that you have chosen us to be a vessel to bring this freedom to the people around us. And Lord, we ask that you give us the strength and the courage to continue to preach your word, even when people don't want to hear it, even when people defer. And Lord, we thank you that eventually their hearts will be softened and that they will come to you and that they'll bear fruit and bring glory to your name because of it. And Lord, above all, we give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to live in the right moment and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And if you follow and subscribe, so that more people can hear the King's word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all. And we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's word together.